We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. <laughs> it's probably like getting grade 10 sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean, we say it all the time, whether, you know, there's two types of turds, you're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean, um, we're, we're, we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the plays. Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. My name is Derek Peterson. Joining me this week, one of Hale Varsity's newest writers, Steve Mark. Steve, how are you? I'm doing great, Derek. How are you doing? I'm good. I can't complain. This is uh, we're recording this on a Thursday. Um, Steve just finished up Michigan State preview for the weekend. Nebraska's got a big road game. Um, another another shot at a ranked opponent for Scott Frost. We'll get into Michigan State. Um, we'll get into Steve's thoughts on Oklahoma if he wants to. No pressure. Um, but first, <laughs> subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. Leave a leave a review. Leave a star rating. All of that stuff really helps. Shout out to Cam for producing this podcast every single week. Shout out to you guys for listening. If you're also not subscribed to Hale Varsity, make sure to get that remedied as quickly as possible. Uh, you're going to want the magazine. You're going to want digital coverage. You're going to want premium coverage. So go get subscribed at hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe. Get that taken care of. Steve, do you think... Oklahoma was a moral victory for Nebraska or no, we can keep this short since this has kind of been like the big talking point for the weekend. I'm just curious what your, what your take is. Yeah. And I know there's a lot of, a lot of people like on, there's like a fine line, like there's moral victory people. Then there's not moral victory people uh, for me, just considering where they're at as a program, um, just the expectations about that game. Nobody really expected them to do anything. They expected, Oklahoma to uh, blow out the Huskers. Um, I think that, yes, they should be feeling good about themselves going into this week. So I guess that would put me in the moral victory side of side of the fan base. Um, I just think that they played very well in some areas. I think Adrian Martinez, um, while he's running for his life, he still managed to play um, one of his best games as a Husker. Um, Obviously the offensive line is still, whatever whatever is happening there that is still going on which which um is not very good for um if you want to win football games um but the defense showed up i i think uh really well they they made spencer rattler uncomfortable which i don't think a lot of a lot of teams um have been able to do um eric shenander's got that unit really really flying around and making plays um but yeah i think they should be feeling pretty good about going into this uh, game with michigan state but uh yeah just watching Michigan state, that's a pretty, pretty dang good team too. So, um, yeah, I think they should be feeling pretty good. Yeah. They look like a big 10 team. I said this on, um, Greg's podcast earlier in the week. They look like a big 10 team specifically defensively, um, Mm -hmm. talking about personality, talking about the way they wanted to play that game. My dog agrees with me. 
Um, <laughs> and that's, that's a thing to feel good about. But the reason I bring that up and we will now transition to Michigan state is because if you view what happened last week in a loss as a positive step for Nebraska, because it was expected for them to get blown out, then this week becomes super interesting because entering the season, people had um, small or no expectations for Michigan state. It was Mel Tucker's second year in charge. Um, a lot of people were tossing around the phrase year zero, which I hate for Mel Tucker last year, just because of how late in the process he was inserted as the head coach didn't have a uh, regular off season to kind of get acquainted with his team COVID and everything. He, I mean, you can make the argument that he was the most affected coach in college football by COVID last year, just because of the situation that he found himself in. He hit the transfer portal hard. They look like a different team this year. And so people weren't sure what to expect. Some people thought Michigan state was going to be really bad. As it turns out, Michigan state's actually pretty good. Um, just watching them. They hit hard. They play tough. They look like a Mel Tucker team um, just in the, in the short time that we've gotten to see Mel Tucker as a head coach. And they have, arguably one of the most productive, well, not arguably one of the most productive running backs in the country right now to, to begin the season with Kenneth Walker. So Michigan state is three and zero, undefeated, obviously ranked number 20. Nebraska is going on the road. It's a night game. Michigan state is going to stripe the stadium. They're pumped for it. It's going to be somewhat emotional um, given the, the, the extra kind of off the field situation with Sam Foltz. Um, his family's going to be there, which is, I think, going to be a, a pretty cool moment. Um, so a lot of stuff with this game. A lot of potentially this could be like the signature win that Frost has been looking for. And I, I think if you looked in the offseason at the schedule and said, yeah, Michigan State is going to provide him with that opportunity, people would have been like, you're insane. But maybe now coming off of a close loss, a tough loss, a hard-fought loss in which you surprised a lot of people, to go on the road to Michigan state and beat a ranked Michigan state team and hand that team their first loss it, to do it. I would assume you have to stop the run to do it. I would assume you have to be pretty good when you get the ball and scoring opportunities because uh, Michigan state is pretty good at, at translating scoring opportunities into points um, to do that would be a pretty big moment for Nebraska. And it would be another step in the right direction after the one that they took last weekend. But like, as we've seen with this team, stacking steps on top of each other is like the hardest thing for them. It's one step forward, two steps back. So let's, let's start there. Do you think last week will have kind of an emotional boom for them? Like, what are you expecting them to look like in the first quarter against Michigan State? So you hope that it would not be similar to the first quarter, the first drive, even against Oklahoma about all of those awful, awful penalties on the offensive line. And still they came out of it with three points, right? Didn't they? Am I remembering that right? Out of all of those false starts that they had, yeah. they still came out of that first drive with a field goal. That's remarkable. Um, yeah, that is, that's just, that, that shouldn't happen in football, but it did. So it was remarkable, but yeah, I mean, I'm expecting them. It's hard to, 
to look at this Nebraska team and see it as one that doesn't make those back those like backbreaking penalties. So I'm just assuming that they're going to happen. It's just, it's a part of the program right now. It always has been since frost. So I'm just assuming that stuff's going to happen, but I don't know. I, I think for some reason that they're, they're going to hang with Michigan state They're It's going to be a tight game. It's going to be a big 10 game. Uh, there's going to, it's going to be a double mouthpiece game as Mel Tucker likes, likes to say it. I found that really, really awesome that he used that um, phrase. It's, it's just awesome. Double mouthpiece game. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm expecting them to come out and just again, not, not, not be like last year's, they beat Penn state. Then they get blown out by, by, was it Illinois? Right. Um, yeah. yeah stack the games like they like they did uh, Garrett Nelson was talking about he used that phrase stack the games don't have it be like last year where you have that good win against Penn State and you want to stack the game but then you get you know you let Illinois run for over 400 yards and and win on your own on your own field so uh just like you said stack the game and I, and I think they they will they're going to be in for a real fight here you started to say and you get and then you get, and I think the word that you were going to use was embarrassed, maybe embarrassed a little bit uh, by Illinois last year. Yes. Certainly yes. defensively, I think they felt embarrassed by what happened. Yeah. Um, and like because of Michigan State's strength, you know, if you don't come out ready to play, there's the chance they can do that to you. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it doesn't seem like an offense that's going to put up like 40 on you, but if you let them build a lead, then like I already said, they got one of the best running backs in football. Mm -hmm. They can just lean on and milk the clock down the end. And you could suddenly find yourself in like a 27 to six lopsided score. I'm not saying that happens, but like, that's the worst case scenario for Nebraska. Um, Like let's go to Kenneth Walker. Now Uh transfer from wake forest. He was sort of a, X factor wild card for people that were looking at this running back room, looking at this offense heading into the season. Currently he leads all FBS players in yards per game. And he ranks fourth among running backs with at least 20 carries this year, fourth in yards per play. He's averaging 164 rushing per game and 8.7 per carry. He is, I mean, he's been awesome. He's been, what have you seen from him? He reminds me of another, I just got done writing this for the preview. He reminds me of another really good Michigan state running back, um, Le'Veon Bell. He is patient when he needs to be. His cuts are so impressive. The way he just like shifts over on like one, one kind of juke move type thing. It's so incredible. Then you just see defenders just flying by, flying by, flying by, just like getting a hand on him and then slipping off. It is so impressive. He looks so comfortable. He looks like he's been running, running the football for years and years and years. Um, he is basically exactly what Mel Tucker and that coaching staff, Jay Johnson, the offensive coordinator, probably was hoping that they were going to get from Wake Forest. Because I even went back and I watched a couple of his Wake Forest games. Do you do you remember them running that like zone read option and the mesh point? They like made it last like two to three seconds. It was so long. I mean, that, that, that kind of like, it, it seems to me like um, Kenneth took that, what he learned with Wake Forest, the patience, the waiting for the blocks and everything up front to get settled before you actually put your foot in the ground and go. I think that he is like bringing that over to Michigan State and we're, we're seeing the results. It's been amazing. So take this with a big giant grain of salt because before we started podcasting, 
Um, I think some of the advanced data is still a little wonky right now, but uh, <laughs> yeah. cfbdata.com has Michigan State currently ninth nationally in line yards, um, which are basically like a portion of rushing that is is that, that the line is responsible for. They created this amount of yards oh, in the running back cool. the rest. Um, so, so ninth nationally. So maybe you're off a little bit, but the offensive line has been good. I, mm-hmm. I think is, is what those numbers are telling you. They're fifth nationally. Now these, you, I think these, I think you can uh, hang your hat on. They're fifth nationally in yards per carry as a team. Um, and they're only averaging about 39 yards or 39 runs per game. So they're about middle of the pack in terms of run rate, um, but just Uber efficient. So the offensive line has been eating dudes up. Yeah. Generally. Do you think Nebraska's defensive line? Do you think this is a, this could be a showcase game for them? Because absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good point. I mean, um, so it was a showcase game for the entire defense uh, last week against Rattler and that offense. Um, But this week, yeah, look at those. I mean, we're probably going to see like, I know um, Nebraska's base defense. If they're in, like if they're going up against the offense with eleven personnel with only one tight end, they're going to have like two down linemen and four linebackers, and then JoJo back there with four four other uh, DBs. This is a game where, um, like, look, Michigan State still goes from what I just watched. Still goes a lot of eleven personnel, but they're also going to throw in some twelve too. Like, so I can see this being a game where Nebraska uses a lot of three down linemen instead of just the normal two when the one tight end out is out there. So, yeah, I think this is going to be a showcase for them. And I think they're up for the challenge. And if they end up do doing their job and holding and really containing uh, Scott Frost was talking today and he was talking about Kenneth Walker about containing him. Um, you're probably not going to keep him from like, you know, getting a hundred yards, but can you stop him from getting like 150 and like three touchdowns? Yes. That'd still be good. Um, yeah, if you just kind of contain that run game and put more pressure on Peyton Thorne's arm and their, and their talented wide receivers over there, um, I think that's the recipe, obviously, to get out of there with the, with the win. Garrett Nelson's been playing a ton with his hand in the dirt this yeah. season. What, what have you thought of, of the start to his year? So I, I think that he's, he's growing in the run defense part of being like an outside linebacker. Um, I know he's, they're asked to, like you said, put him and Caleb Tanner are asked to put the, put the hands in the dirt um, a lot of, a lot of times. And I think he's still learning and learning and growing about how to, how to do that. Caleb Tanner, by the way, has been an excellent this season. I think, especially um, from what we've seen last year, I don't think he was um, that comfortable, I guess, in the run game, but this year he's throwing his shoulders into pulling linemen. He's really mucking it up in the middle there. He's being a great run defender, I believe. And I think, you know, Garrett Nelson, I think he's getting better um, for sure. Um, But uh, yeah, that's the defense as a whole has been playing pretty good. And, you know, Garrett Nelson is just a part of that where you want to have him out there because he's like a, like a dog chasing a car. He's just going hundred miles an hour, but um, yeah, I think he's learning along the way. So one guy that potentially makes this interesting is Casey Rogers. Has there been any update on him? Yeah. So he was dressed for the first time this season last week with Oklahoma um, when they went to Oklahoma and he made the trip and everything, but he didn't play. So we'll, we're, we'll see this week. Um, maybe, uh, maybe he sees the field, but um, nobody's really confirmed that. Gotta love 
the way Scott Frost handles injuries. Gotta love it. It's just a wait and see <laughs> game. Wait and see on a Saturday. Yeah. You're not going to get anything from him. I respect it, I guess. Yeah. Defensive line, just in general. Um, when, when I say showcase game, like you think about the Nebraska team that Scott Frost took over. It was a team that, that just, you could run them over and there wasn't going to be much resistance. And the run defense fell to depths that I think people were frankly embarrassed over. And they've made strides over the course of Chenander's first three years. Um, I think they were at like four, four and a half, a little below that in terms of yards per carry last year. Um, They're at 4.3 right now. Overall impressions of the defensive line through the first four games. Are you, are you left wanting more? Do you think that they've generally been doing what, what needs to be done? Where are you at with that? I think they've been they've been doing okay. If you ask them, they they think that they can be doing better. But the thing with this defense, I think so far through four games, is they're bending, but they're not really breaking. I know I've talked to some of my colleagues here at Hell Varsity about that. And so, like, look, they're not going to be top of the defense right now in, in terms of like giving up yards and stuff. Cause I think they're kind of middle of the pack with like yards, yards allowed um in the conference. But you know, I, I think Bo Pliny once said it's like, it's about the, it's not about the yards, it's about the points, right? Um, and I think they're doing a good job of keeping, keeping teams out of the end zone. And especially we saw that last, last week in Oklahoma, they did an excellent job of that. I think um, they, they held up their end of the bargain in that game, I, I believe. So Absolutely. Um, yeah, in terms of the defensive line, um, I know everybody wants to kind of point at the sack numbers as, cause you know, they're not, they're not very high um, kind of, but like, like Shenander and uh, Tuyoti have been talking about um, there's, there's more ways to impact a quarterback than just getting sacks. You can bat balls, you can collapse the pocket. So the quarterback doesn't have anywhere to go. And he can't really like, if he's throwing the football, he can't finish his follow through because there's an offensive lineman in his face. That's what he means by like um, collapsing the pocket. Um, So there's different ways of impacting quarterback. And I think they've been doing that. I think it's been good. Obviously it can be better, but um, yeah, with this, they're going to, they're going to get a fight on Saturday because Michigan state's going to be coming at them. And I think that they're up for the challenge. Do you think that's the side or or that's the battle that, that determines the game, Nebraska's defense versus Michigan state's offense? Or do you think that it's going to be more evenly balanced? No, I think it's going to be, that's a good point. I think the Nebraska's D line versus Michigan state's O line and that run game is going to be decide is going to help decide the game. If Kenneth Walker does Kenneth Walker things like he has the past three games, I don't think Nebraska is going to win, but if he is contained, like Scott was talking about today, I think they have a great chance of getting out there with a tight win. Okay. Let's switch to the other side of the ball. Um, People have talked about the way Adrian Martinez played last week, maybe one of his best games as a Husker, would you agree with that? Yeah, so I I I do think that it was one of his uh, best games as a Husker. If you're looking at QBR, like Brandon Vogel, my boss, one of my bosses talked about um, after the game, it was his third best of his career. If you're looking at just Power Five opponents, um, obviously Fordham and um, Buffalo were were higher, but those are uh, Group of Five and FCS opponents right there. But yeah. um, I do think, I mean. I know he's a hot topic, right? <laughs> like Adrian Martinez at quarterback with the fan base, but you have to take into account he is running for his life so often, so often. And he managed to just like take care of the ball, 
aside from that one video game interception from DJ Graham, one-handed interception. But he manages to take care of the ball when everything is crumbling around him. And I just really respect what he did and what he has done this season. It was kind of a rough start with the Illinois game where he missed, he, he just plain missed throws. And I think he'd agree with that. Um, but since then, I think he's done very, very well. And I think he's playing more in control. He's calm, which is kind of shocking just from the offensive line that he's working with and, and how he's um, having to run for his life all, all the time. But yes, I do think it was one of his best, one of the best games that he had. I would like to pause this conversation briefly and uh, go on a tangent that is going to completely derail us, but just have, have you noticed any kind of like pettiness between Nebraska people against the Oklahoma DB who, who caught that interception? We're like, well, you should have just dropped it. Well, it was a dumb play. Have you noticed this? Yes. Yes, I have. Um, But look like, okay. Can I just tell you how, where I stand on this whole, Oh, you shouldn't have intercepted it because it was bad field position. Yeah. It sounds like we're in the, we're in the same here. Same wavelength. Okay, so if I'm DJ Graham and I'm playing defense and I'm like trailing Levi Falk like he was, and I think that I can pick the ball off, it's natural human instinct to grab the ball and pick off a pass and get an interception. I know you, I know like you can go from a thousand feet and look, look down and everything and say, hey, you know, he should be taught, he should be taught to just bat the ball down, right? But like, I don't know, if I'm like playing, it's in the heat of the moment, things are, bolts are flying i'm catching the ball if i can so that's where i stand i think it's a great play dj dj is a great is a great player and everything it was an incredible catch with one hand but you know if i was him i would have done it too sorry yeah uh lincoln Riley joked after the game that he might have challenged he might have been the first yeah. coach to ever challenge his own team's interception because he he because i mean it hurt him from a field position standpoint it did. i've seen it did. i've seen people say like that almost cost them the game no it didn't no, it didn't. I, no, it did not. Nebraska, someone someone looked at um, Nebraska's had like double digit drives in the last few minutes of a game to, to either tie or take the lead. And they've got like three points out of those drives. Um, it, it's something awful. Like th- that guy catching that pass did not co- um, nearly cost Oklahoma in the game. That's absurd. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, yeah, we're on the same same wavelength here. I just that was one of the greatest catches I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, like let's just out of the video game, man. That's let's, crazy. Let's just enjoy it. Let's not be like, well, you should have dropped it. Yeah, I mean, sure. Yeah, probably in a perfect world. But at the same time, like that was one of the greatest catches I've ever seen in my entire life. Let's just be like, let's just Me too. golf clap or Dumbledore clap on the top of your hand. Just just yeah. well done. Well done. Well can done. I raise, can I raise you another thing that I've kind of noticed with the fan base recently this week? Sure. So they are look. I'm I'm wondering what you're going to think about this. Go at Steve's mentions, not mine. Yeah. Okay. So Michigan State three and zero, right? Okay. They have beaten Northwestern. They have beaten Youngstown State, and they have beaten Miami at Miami, and they also beat Northwestern at Northwestern. Okay. So a lot of the fan base recently has been well, well. I mean, those are probably just three bad teams, right? I mean, I watched Miami and Northwestern try to tackle Kenneth Walker and they're flying all over the place. Like, Oh, come on. That those are three bad teams. That's not impressive. They're just like crapping on everything that Michigan state has done for three games. Like, come on, like, seriously, like that's just like taking everything that Michigan state has worked for this off season and just like pooping on it. Yes. To be devil's advocate though, Northwestern looks awful. They do like, like really bad. Miami also looks incredibly overrated. 
a, a lot of the uh, Miami could win the ACC or challenge Clemson for the ACC um, looks looks to be malarkey right now. They don't they don't look great. And Youngstown State, yeah, you know, I mean, you know, you know, Youngstown State is 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 has a reputation, but, but you know, we'll see, we'll see. I, I I wonder, and you know, if they come out and punch Nebraska in the mouth, then it, it's real. But um, maybe like 2016, Nebraska starts seven and zero vibes, um, just slightly, just slightly. I, I like Michigan State. I think they've looked really good. Um, again, I watched that Northwestern game closely, and I was like, oh, they're just hitting the sh- the crap out of these people. Um, they're playing very hard and that's what you want to see from a team, uh, that young in a tenure. Yeah. Um, sorry, sorry for the tangent. Stop. No, I love it. This is well done. DJ Graham. (laughs) Um, back to Adrian. I I don't think, I think the best thing that could have possibly happened to him for his, um, I guess stature amongst the fan base was for his offensive line to play as poorly as it has to start the season. Cause everybody's like, Oh my God, like Adrian's playing great. Imagine if we had an offensive line, <laughs> I, like it's one of those things where like he, he should be thanking his offensive line while also kicking them in the ass and saying, protect me. Mm-hmm. It's great. It's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe that's just the best Adrian, the best Adrian is him running for his life and just like, you know, acting off the fly. Maybe that is the best Adrian. Maybe, maybe the best Adrian isn't when he is well protected and not having to run for his life. Who knows? It, it is one of those interesting things because I remember this conversation cropping up. It was either 2019 or it was, I don't think it was last year. Maybe it was last year. I don't know. Time's a circle. Um, one of the, it wasn't his freshman year. There was a conversation that was like, well, maybe Adrian is just so much better when he's on the run and he's better outside the pocket and he's better throwing on the, on the move. Um, maybe, but at, at the same time, like you ask any quarterback playing football, do you want to have a clean pocket in front of you from which to throw? <laughs> they will say, <laughs> yes, please. Can I have a clean pocket? Like, <laughs> yes, please. May I have some more? <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, you know, and, and if the, you know, if all the focus of the off season was about, let's, let's get deeper down the field, let's push further those routes are going to take a little bit more time to develop. You need that time. Um, and, you know, through the first, through the first three weeks, they were um, significantly more explosive than they were a year ago in the passing game. And, you know, the, the game plan that they went to Norman with last week didn't necessarily lend itself to just throwing the ball up and down the yard. Um, they wanted to, to really control possession. So I'll, I'll be really curious to see um, what, what they do this week against Michigan state, because, you know, maybe the game plan is let's just play keep away from Kenneth Walker. Yeah. Yeah. Just uh, keep the ball, um, you know, snap it 10 seconds left, that type of thing. Right. Yeah. Do, do you think that they're in a position where they can even do that? <laughs> it, that th- that's the big question offensively. Um, that, that, I mean, that's a game plan that you want to do. That's certainly a game plan that th- they tried to deploy last week against Oklahoma. Um, the offensive line has had problems protecting Adrian in the passing game and um, consistently moving guys uh, at the line of scrimmage in the run game. Um, running backs have, have been, I, I guess, hit or miss. Um, the running game outside of Adrian scrambling is just not good right now. Yeah. So I, do, you, do you think that they are in a position right now where they can play that kind of a game plan? Or would you prefer to see them just come out and say, yeah, we're going to try to put 40 on the board, try and keep up with us? 
Yeah, I think that they're going to try, and I think they should try to move the ball with the handoff run game. Maybe this is a big uh, Mar- Marquise step game. Um, who knows how he's performed in practice, though, so he may or may not play. Um, but yeah, I think this could be a big, a big marquee step game. I see you're shaking your head with their running back rotation. Sorry. I'm sorry. I, no, I, I agree. <laughs> I, I completely agree, but it's the answer that we get. So. It's no, it's the, it's not just the running back rotation. It's the whole thing. It's the word to oh, play yeah. the guys that practice the best. I'm like, no, you should play the guys that are the best players on your team. No, I, I completely agree. I'm not but a coach yeah, though. I mean, and, and, and I'm, I'm not a coach for a reason. So I'm just a dummy talking on a podcast continue sorry you you and me both man uh but yeah it's i think this could be a big step game i don't think that just watching just watching michigan state that defense hits hard they've got some dudes up front they've got some strong guys that that look pretty good up front so i i assume i think that they're not it's just going to be some of the same story over and over again with the offensive line and um you know i i I don't know what to tell you about the offensive line it's so so odd it didn't get much better with when they kind of shook up the shook up the starting lineup uh last week at Oklahoma and I don't think it's gonna get any better um this Saturday but who knows that's why they play the games here's a question for you is that that uh new offensive line configuration is that sticking for this week do you see them sticking with Trent Hickson trying something new I don't know if you go back to Ethan Piper at this point maybe but I, I mean he got absolutely planted on the blocked field goal. Yeah. You um, saw the extra point, didn't you? Yeah. I don't, I don't know if there's yeah. Blocked extra point. Excuse me. I said field goal. Thank you. I don't know if it's a confidence issue right now. Um, what's going on with him, but like, w- what do you do at that spot? You stick with what you were rolling with last week. In my opinion, um, I think Hickson deserves, you know, just to keep get, getting out there and, and seeing, I don't think you just quit on that starting five after one game. Um, so I think you kind of stick with Hicks, Hickson and, and roll with that, with that starting five at Michigan state. What do you think of the prospects of putting now Brant Banks has played left tackle. He's been, he was in kind of a rotation with Turner Corcoran to start the season. Um, but he was a guy who in the spring, Greg Austin talked about, he was swinging between tackle and guard um, mm-hmm. going on either side of the line. What do you think about just putting him at guard? I mean, he's a big guy. Um, hip mobility was, was something that Austin talked about needing improvement in the spring. What do you think about the idea of, of him going to guard? Cause it's not lost on me that Hickson is replacing the guy who replaced him because neither have gotten the job done. Yeah. It doesn't hurt to try. I mean, you have to start trying things to fix the handoff run game. Cause it's going nowhere. You have, you can't just like keep doing the same thing over and over again. Cause that's the definition of crazy, right? Sure. Um, they need to, they need to run the ball better with the running backs, not just rely on Adrian because it's not going to happen for a 12 game season. He's not going to last. Sure. I think that you just need to, man, I, I just wish I was at practice and I wish I watched the offensive linemen, you know, I just want to see like what they're doing to get better. Yeah. So it, it sounds like stick with Hickson for this game, see what happens. And then, you yeah. know, if, if you still have problems, then let's, let's get weird. Let's start experimenting with things. Absolutely. Maybe, maybe Nuri Nuwili, um, yeah. who was a, a hot name in the spring. Maybe he, and he's, a, a, he's the last started games at Colorado state. Yeah. Maybe he makes a mid-year charge. I mean, I, I agree with you. I think the, if the offensive line continues to have problems, then you just start mixing it up and see what happens because it's not like it's been, um, you know, it's not like it was a year ago or two years ago where you can just point at Cam Jurgen snapping the ball over his quarterback's head and say, that's the problem. It's like mm-hmm. there's there's a there's 
every guy, I mean, every single lineman had a penalty called on them last game and, and everyone has put bad snaps on tape. Um, there's not been a situation where it's like, you know, like Brendan Hymas was really good last year. You couldn't, you couldn't look at Brendan Hymas and say, oh, Brendan Hymas is a problem over there at left tackle. You know, they had problems elsewhere, but like Brendan Hymas was consistent. They don't really have one of those consistent guys. Maybe, yeah. I mean, maybe Cam Jurgens is the most consistent, which is remarkable. <laughs> yeah. He is the oldest though. So I guess, I guess that tracks in terms of. Yeah. He's the oldest experience. leader up there. Yeah. Um, keys to the game. We touched on it a little bit when you said you think it's going to be Nebraska's defensive line against yeah. Michigan state's offensive line. Let's say, give me three things that Nebraska does this, this, and this, and it wins. If Nebraska, if Nebraska rushes for over 150 yards, they win. How about that? Okay. I'm putting you on the spot a little bit. Yeah. Let me, maybe we could alternate. What, what, what about you? Or I could keep going here. They got to keep Adrian clean. Yeah. Oklahoma had five sacks a week ago. Mm -hmm. Let me pull up the Buffalo game. Buffalo did not have a sack. Let me pull up the Illinois game. Illinois had five sacks on Adrian. In the Fordham game, Fordham only had one. Now, I know competition is significantly different, but Nebraska's two wins, they've given up one sack. Nebraska's two losses, they've given up 10. Mm-hmm. Protect him. So if they can protect him, yeah, I think they got a good shot because that means that Adrian's going to have time to, to move the ball down the field. Now, I know we just got done talking about how problematic protecting him has been and how we're like, well, we don't know if we have a ton of confidence in their ability to do that, just flip yeah. a switch and do that. But, you know, that's going to be a, a key for them each week moving forward in Big Ten play because Big Ten defenses are tough and Big Ten defensive lines are tough and nasty and, and you know, you're not going to get any quarter going forward. So yeah. if they can try to protect Adrian, um, that'll be that'll be one for me. How about if the 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 kicking game is a hundred percent? Man, I thought we were gonna get through an entire podcast without talking about the stupid kicking game. <laughs> Connor Culp is gonna get his chance again, and he's gonna he's gonna pass with flying colors. You I'm marking it down right now. Connor Culp's gonna go two for two or something like that. Okay. What do you what do you, what do you think's going on? Is it the yips? Everyone wants to talk about the yips. Is it the yips? In, you know, I don't want to like be mean or anything like to kickers everywhere, but like, you know, I think a lot of it is mental with them more than any other position on the on the, on the field, like quarterback. Yeah. You have a lot going on, but with kickers, like that is some like stuff going through your head. You're waiting to like, get out there. Oh, your name is called run out there. And now you're supposed to like go and go and produce right away. That can't be, that can't be easy. Um, I, I, I feel for Connor. I think he's a great kid and everything, but we've seen what he can do and he's not doing it. So that just like leaves you. It's all in between the ears right now. And I, I feel for anybody going through that in life, in sports, whatever. Um, so, but I don't know. I think he's going to give him uh, Scott at his press conference today said that um, they're, um, they're probably going to roll with Connor again uh, on Saturday. So I'm, I bet he's going to impress some people and turn it around. It's it's just so 
interesting to think about. I don't know that I necessarily, now I don't have any inside info on this, but I don't, just my gut, I don't necessarily buy the, boy, he had injury problems in the, in the, the fall. Because like, yeah, if, if you're, I mean, if you're a kicker with injury problems t- to the point where it's affecting your kicking, you're not going to be kicking on Saturdays. They have, you know, he's just a forgotten man at this point, but before Connor Culp even became available and he was a Husker, Chase Contreras was brought here from the Juco level to be the guy. And he's still kind of sitting there. Like if there's an injury to your kicker to, to this, to, towards affecting him to this degree that, that Connor has, has underperformed to begin the year, like that guy's not kicking. Like, I'm sorry. He's just not, he's not going to be kicking if he's got an injury problem. So yeah. it seems, it seems like the yips and, you know, credit to Scott for, doing i guess um for handling this the way that that he's handled it because i would imagine that that would inspire a little bit of confidence to say hey no you were you were our kicker last year you're going to remain our kicker we trust you to work through this you need to work through it but we trust you to work through this um, yeah i so. think and i think they might even be going through that with the punter situation too um so scott said scott said today that daniel daniel Cherney, um, the Australian kicker has been battling through an injury, so they, they're not sure if it's going to be him or Will Pristup um, doing the punting um, in the game on Saturday. So that might be a thing where, you know, Cherney wasn't doing really that well, um, but Will, Will came in and, and did very well against Oklahoma. He had some yeah. really good kicks. So we'll see. We'll see and, who trots out there first. And this is a homecoming of sorts for Will. So Yeah, he's a, coming back home, yep. It's a good, a nice little – uh, side storyline to monitor, especially considering the uh, the non-football punting yeah, piece absolutely. of it uh, before the game. That'll be interesting. Um, any other thoughts on this Michigan State game that we didn't get to before you got to get out of here? Um, can I say a guy who I'm really impressed with on Michigan State? Go for it. Uh, Connor Hayward, the tight end. He came to Michigan State as a running back first, and he was a running back for like three years there. Now he's a bigger dude, six foot, 230 pounds. And he has like over 800 yards rushing, five touchdowns in his career there. But this offseason, Mel Tucker came in and said like, hey, let's move you to tight end. And they're doing some really cool stuff, finding ways to get get that guy the ball at at tight end. A lot of tight end screens. He's caught multiple screens through three games. And when he gets the when he gets the ball, you can you can see the former running back in him. It's pretty cool to watch. So. Yeah, just keep an eye on him. He does, he's a willing blocker in the backfield. He does a lot of like cool, cool things back there. And he usually takes takes your takes defenses to the ball if you kind of watch him. So um yeah. Um Connor Hayward, Michigan State, number eleven. Here's a fun thought experiment. Uh-huh. Tight ends are allowed to shine a ton in the Big Ten. Seems like we're always talking about Big Ten tight ends. And we get Big Ten tight ends in the league. TJ Hawkinson is on my fantasy team, he's doing awesome things. Yeah. Um, we get big tight ends coming out of the big 10 to go, to go to the NFL. Like what's, what's that position for the sec? Hmm. I feel like for the big 12, it would probably be quarterbacks. They just always have great quarterbacks coming out of that league. What would it be would for it be the, like receivers from the sec? Maybe, or maybe linebacker. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Al- shoot, we could go Al- through like, and a whole, a whole, like all three levels of the defense for SEC. Players. Alabama and Georgia kind of wrecked the curve when it comes to linebackers, but like, it seems like they've got four or five linebackers just between the two of them getting drafted every single year. Maybe it's that. What about the Pac-12? <laughs> um, Pac-12. 
<laughs> just oh, I'm, I'm, we're being mean i'm sure there's a position that they're good at pac-12 is fun football yeah there's some like, there's been some good running backs coming out of the pac-12 though yeah sure sure maybe we'll they got some like dbs maybe i don't know Buda washington good baker, baker went to washington yeah i was just about to say washington this is one of the reasons um my brother and i recorded a uh overrated underrated podcast that has never seen the light of day it died immediately it, it, <laughs> something something messed up with the file conversion and, and it was lost to oh, no. lost to the void but it's probably a good thing that it happened because i made the case for washington being one of the most underrated teams in the country and then they started their season 0 and 2 and part of it was like jimmy lake's a good defensive coach i like jimmy lake they always have great defensive backs yeah what's happened at washington is just sad i don't know montana got him right Montana got him. Yep. Yeah, shoot. Good for Toure. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure Samari was watching that one. All right, man. Well, you've got stuff to do. I'll let you get out of here. Thank you so much for jumping on the podcast and, and talking. It was fun to catch up with you. All right. Thank you, Derek. That'll do it for this week. Like I said in the open, in the meantime, keep reading HailVarsity.com. Steve and the rest of the team will have you covered. Subscribe to the rest of the Hail Varsity podcast offerings. Brandon Vogel did his own Michigan State preview on the I-80 preview podcast you can subscribe to that wherever you listen to podcasts um i was on greg smith's straight up breakdown podcast this week go listen to that unless you've uh, gotten sick of hearing my voice already which is understandable aaron Sorensen and sasha durkin also have the mind your own podcast to so go listen to that one and then jacob padilla and damon benning are on the nebraska preps post game show so lots of stuff for lots of different niche audiences Lots of stuff. You can get your sports fix. Anything you're you're wanting to listen to. Sometimes there's NBA talk on uh, on Greg's podcast. So we, you got the whole thing covered. We're a proud part of the Herd App Media Network. Again, shouts to Cam for producing and to you guys for listening every single week. We'll be back next week. Put at Media Production.